Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and other assorted gender assignations. Welcome back to the Bored to Death Binge Cast, where we take TV shows and movies and binge them in easily digestible chunks. I am Jay Winger, being joined by... Zeke. Chris. And we are back for part four of our binge of Mobile Suit Gundam, as part of our continuing uh, binge of Gundam the Whole Damn Saga. Uh, When we last left off, they... So they'd had the funeral for Garma, and of course the Zabi family used it as a political move to get everybody uh, in Zeon behind, rallying behind them. Well, Garma's dad uh, didn't want to do that. He uh, wanted to mourn by himself, but they were all like, no, we need to do this. Yep. And his older brother, Giran, decided to turn it into a political rally instead. Hmm. Can you think of any parallels to that? A political leader using something that should, shouldn't should be politicized and instead using it for a political rally. Hold my mask. I'll be right back. <laughs> no, I can't think of any parallels. Can you? No, no, no. no. It's no, just nobody, fake news. <laughs> nobody comes to my mind. At any rate, um, and White Base, I think we're still in... Zeon territory, but were now basically being used to gather intel. And for data. the for the most part, they are, uh, but um, they are being used to attack a um, a Zeon mine, and it's a rather large mine. Um, yeah, I can see they, from the menu that we have up here, Zeon secret mine is yeah, that, so that'll 17 be, in, in this binge. That'll be not the episode that we're going to watch. But uh, the following one, right? Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, that's one of the, one of the uh, objectives that White Base has been ordered to do is to go after, uh, well not to go after it, but it's for a... Uh, land battle that we're going to see soon. Odessa Day. Yeah, Odessa Day. Uh, yeah, I mentioned that in the, in the previous episode, according to my notes here. Yeah, where they're plant, they're going to attack Zeon's largest mine on Earth, <clears throat> and uh, that'll heavily damage a lot of like their supplies. Mm-hmm. So, uh, targeting logistics is always one of those strategies in in wartime. So. Oh yeah, of course. Especially That's how the Russians uh, defeated Napoleon and then the Nazis. I thought they just froze to death. That too, but the thing is, they basically, you know, in those war, in those ground wars, the Russians just kept pulling back further and further into Russia. So that Napoleon and then later the Nazis had to keep advancing, which stretched out their supply lines. And then the Russians just moved around and flanked them, cut off the supply lines, and then waited for waited for Mother Winter to move to move in, or General Winter. Sorry, General Winter, I think, is what the Russians like to refer to it uh, as. Um, but, um, but yeah, that's basically what's going to happen in the next few episodes. It's one of the classic blunders. Never get involved in a land war in Asia. That's basically what happens in this. And then, uh, the same thing goes with 8th MS Team. 8th MS Team takes place in, like, Southeast Asia. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah. And in the previous episode, also, the white base captured one of, uh, Rambaral's support uh, pilots just watching the mech be carried by the other mech. Like, yeah. Come on, boy! Yeah, the freaking hauling it over the, its shoulder like it's no, it was dragging, dragging, it, dragging, dragging it. it by its face. That's that's right. Right. When I saw that, I saw it was imaging like him putting the, his hand inside the mouth. Yeah, just, just, come on! 
Yeah, the gun cannon dragging off of Zachary, too, because I guess they saw an opportunity and they took it. I mean, wouldn't you? Well, yeah. The Zaku mean, is one of the things that the that Zeon has that the that the Federation didn't until yeah. the Federation developed the developed the Gundam and and its uh, counterparts. Well, here's the thing, though, and I probably shouldn't be saying this: is that if you watch uh, Gundam: The Origin, it shows that they did have a gun tank and something that was akin to the gun cannon. Uh, but what makes the three or the two that White Base is carrying so special is the fact that they are prototypes for new versions of those suits. Mm-hmm. Okay. Meaning that basically it's like in the case of like of you know all or all three suits actually is that they can essentially split in half and the core fighter will basically escape carrying all the combat data the suit has. Makes sense, you know, because that that core fighter has the black box essentially. Basically, yeah. Um, and the core fighter, because they have like three of them, they can interchange them no matter which suit it goes into. Mm-hmm. It's the little module that basically runs everything. Yeah. Anything you would like to add, Zeke? Ah. All right. So we'll get started with episode 16, and we'll be finishing this binge with episode 21, but uh, we'll see you That's after the binge. One. And we're back following uh, our binge of six episodes. Uh, which is primarily because that's how many episodes were on the were left on the disc. <laughs> Twenty uh, twenty one episodes down so far. You know, it was like in forty two episodes total. So yeah, we're gonna have another uh, long binge when we wrap up the series and <laughs> uh, a few more binges. But you know, the, they this was sort of wrapped up the Rambo Rawl arc of the of this series, just like we had the Garma arc earlier. Yeah. Uh, it, se- it seems like everybody has their own, like, little arcs. And we're and now we're moving into the Makuve yeah. arc. Um, but, you know, and I, there were a lot of parallels, in, in a sense, with, or at least towards the end with, uh, with Rawl. You know, he ends up dying, and then his loved one comes looking for revenge. <laughs> yeah, but not unlike Isolina. <laughs> you gotta love how he died, though. Yeah. He, he didn't die, he died teaching a lesson. Well, do you remember when uh, they first introduced Rambo Rawl? You were like, I really like this guy. Mm. I'm honestly hoping that he doesn't die in a really stupid way. And I, I wanted to say something <laughs> so bad. <laughs> I, liked, I did like him. Uh, he was... Well, I, I think I described it in... I described him last time as you know my country right or wrong. He yeah. is he is loyal to he is loyal to Zeon, but more to Zeon as a whole as opposed to the Zabi family like a lot of Zeons right now are. I'll uh, go, after uh, Garma's funeral. I'll go more loyal to the code than anything else. That too. I mean, he was in a territory that was a neutral territory, and he could have killed the Federation people there, but instead he's like now. We got we got respect the rules. Let them go. Mm-hmm. We'll follow them. There's nothing about following, but there is no combat in the zone. He d- is not going to, you know, commit war crimes. Basically, yeah. I mean, if it was Shaw, I'm pretty sure Shaw would be like, ah, I can do it myself. Uh, you know, it's like he'll, yeah, Shaw. I get the feeling might do it if he could assure that there were no witnesses. <laughs> witnesses? There's only one casualties. Bam. That's what I mean. <laughs> Oh, you, you kind of learn a little bit more about Char later on. Well, and that's one of the Are things. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Char has been gone for a while, uh, but he will come back. I know he will. 
but there was a thing in this in the binge that we just that we just watched that filled in a little bit more details about Shar and Sela because we know that Shar and Sela are related that they're brother and sister but in, when Rambaral meets Sela in in the white base in the white base he recognizes her and calls her your highness she's essentially a deposed princess she you know that her family had been the original rulers of Zeon before the zombies essentially took over and kicked yeah. them out which gives a lot more context into why Shar is so uh, is so keen on basically taking you know making uh, Garma look like an idiot and get killed and sort of setting up the Zabi to it seems like he's working to undermine things in a way at least that's how I'm interpreting it right now I could be wrong I could be way off base if I am. Don't say anything in the comments. I want to be spoiled, but I don't want to be spoiled by this well, stuff. Since you said this, Evan, we're going to go back into the history. No. No, no. <laughs> if I'm keeping my mouth shut, then everybody else should do it, too. Exactly. I, you know, if I, want, if I want it, I can't always consult the Wellick of knowledge. Um, but I did, you know, there were a lot of... There were comparisons you could make between Shar and Rawl. But, you know, they, have, they both have their own ambitions. As I just sort of said, in Shar's case, it seems like he, he's working to sort of undermine and overthrow the Zabis. But in Rawl's case, he wants to earn a promotion, but he specifically says because then he'll be able to provide better for the livelihoods of his men and for his family, him and his, him and his wife. So it's like he is the, the essential you know, father to his men. Yeah. Type. He is a very, you know, he's a very worthy opponent kind of thing. The noble demon, I think, uh, is what TV tropes might call him. You know, he's a bad guy, but he's got certain noble qualities like, to him. Like the the battle that they had where they where they disabled the gun tank, mm. and one of the soldiers wanted to, to destroy the gun tank, but then Robert Rawl said, "No, go concentrate on the white base because without the white base, they don't have anything." It's like they said, "You may be a bad guy, but you're not." Bad guy. He's an antagonist, but not a villain. <clears throat> That's the difference. It's, it's also Char like, is a villain. <laughs> it's it's also like when he saw Frabo in but the. Kube uh, is a villain. Yeah, he's a, yeah he is. But it's like when he when Rama Raw saw um, uh, Frabo for the second time on the way. Yeah, base. she had, she pulls a gun on him. He just smacks it out. Yeah, of he just smacks. Like, get to, get to safety. <laughs> Don't get in my way. And that may have been. Partially because of their meeting earlier. Yes, because um, we should backtrack a little bit. At the beginning of this binge, Amro deserts from White Base because he feels he's not being fully appreciated. He's, you know... Well, they, they were talking about taking away Gundam from him. Yes, and he has a bit of an ego at, the, at this point because he knows how valuable he is as a pilot. But um, while... Uh, Amaro's away from White Base. He comes. He comes to this uh, to this town. Goes to like the pub or whatever. And while he's there in civilian garb, mind, because he learned his lesson after going home to visit to visit Mama. Uh, he Rambaral and his wife and uh, Rawl's soldiers show up. And There's they, like thirteen of them. Yeah, and they basically uh, no, there was like tw- twelve. There were twelve. There were, thir- yeah, 13 of them all told, and then, but at any rate, you know, 14 she, she, you know, you know it's a she sees Amaro 
basically instantly is like, I like this kid. He's cute or whatever. And decides, I'm going to order him and order him a meal while I'm at it. And Amro is just like, yeah, no, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> and Rawl just, you know, he's just sort of like, hey, you know, I, you know, if you don't want to accept it from her, fine, but you know, take it, accept it from from me instead. But then uh, Frau Bo shows up, and she's wearing a Federation uniform. Well, she's wearing like a variant of it because, mind you, she has the scarf. Yeah, I think which is. Or no, not, not it's not a scarf. It's a uh, what the hell did Freddie wear in? Uh... An ascot. Yeah. <laughs> Scarf, basically. Um, or whatever the the little... Uh, I can't even remember what, it, what they're called. Like Those scarfs that like soldiers wear in like the Middle East and stuff that, that they can pull up over their, their face. Or over I don't know head. what they're called. But yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but at any rate, um, she shows up and they think she's a spy or something until... Well, basically, we're all puts two and two together. Sort of realizes, you know, that they that Amaro and Frabo have a relationship, and he, but he doesn't know what kind. He doesn't know what kind. Doesn't know specifically who, who Amaro is. He he has some suspicions, but can't confirm it. Uh, and basically pulls aside uh, Amaro's like cloak and sees that he's got that he's got his gun ready to, ready to draw, and he's just sort of like, I like you. I like you. Get out! <laughs> just, just go. But he's, <laughs> but he's like, he's like, if we meet on the battlefield, it'll be different. Yes, and uh, and Amaro is basically having to learn a lot of harsh lessons over the over all of this. You know that he uh, can't just go it on his own because he tries to attack what he thinks is the big secret mining base that the Zeon have there. Finds out it's only one smaller base, not the big one that it's, that it's, Odessa it's, Day is going to be targeting. It's, it's the 102. Yeah, one oh, yeah, one base number 102. Uh, but uh, when he goes to and finds this out, he finds like one injured soldier. And he goes and helps, gives the guy some water or something. The guy water thanks, and a flare. He water and a flare to call for help. And as Amaro leaves, the guy's like, "Hey, I don't know if you were the pilot of that." of that mobile suit that wiped us out or anything, but you shouldn't be soft on the enemy. <laughs> you only have one life. Yeah, you don't have enough lives, so... Uh, and, you know, which is ominous. <laughs> no, I do love the fact that he doesn't get the mean, even though he's a big tech guy. Yeah. You think a tech guy would be a game... I don't even, you know, you don't really see a whole lot of video games in... They don't really have a whole lot of time to play video games. <laughs> I mean... Alright, I'm not. Right, I'm not really saying a whole lot here, but in War in the Pocket, the main character who's a kid, mm-hmm. there is a, there is a, 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 like a scene or two where he is sitting in his room playing a video game. I mean, they do have a flight simulator. I guess it counts as a video game. We could, we could. Yeah, but it's just again, they don't have time to play games for recreation right now because mm-hmm. they're constantly on the run and constantly having to make repairs to the ship, rearm. The, the mobile suits, etc., etc., etc. And constantly push themselves to the limits they pass out. Yes. Well, in Bright's case, he has a fever, so he got sick. Well, he was literally working himself to the point of exhaustion. That's why he passed out. <laughs> yeah, but then they also said that he had a fever. Yeah, I think it's just a case of everybody is starting to crack under the pressure. We saw that with Bright. Mirai was starting to crack right there in that last Amro episode. Had been Amro's had- been having a lot of battle fatigue issues and... PTSD shit going on. But the only thing I don't understand is the other ones that tried to leave to go join another Federation crew. Yeah, the 
but you're in Zeon territory. I think it's because uh, they know that they're not too far off from where General Rebel's forces are at. They just don't know how far exactly. Yeah. Um, and they're fig- I guess they're figuring if we just keep out of you know main patrol you know patrol areas, then we might be able to sneak past to get to Federation territory. Um, but yeah, that, I'm still not entirely sure what their motivations were there exactly. They sort of touched on it, but I think it's I think that it's because of Amaro leaving. That it's just like if he can leave, then so can we. <laughs> basically, that's what it is. It's like watching five people at your job quit in unison, and you're just sort of like suddenly we're, I'm gonna have to pick up all the slack. <laughs> and fuck this shit, I'm out. <laughs> Does that mean this coming up for me? I have four out of five. Who's the fifth? Oh God, I'm close to being Amaro. Do I get to drive a Gundam soon? No. Oh, <laughs> you got a forklift. Oh. <laughs> oh, by the way, do we want to bring up the ocean violation? Then we saw. Oh my God, the ocean. <laughs> So while they're trying to effect repairs to the white base at one point, they you know they're basically using the gun tank and the gun cannon as forklifts. They, they're, they're basically <laughs> all right. So, so the gun tank is on the bottom, holding its arms out, and the gun cannon is standing on those arms. Meanwhile, so that, meanwhile, the gun cannon's uh, arm is extended, and there's somebody sitting in it who's conducting repairs because the spot that that he has to do the repairs in is too high up. For anything else, it's like that the picture of the forklift holding the forklift, holding the guy doing the tails. Yeah. It's just so you're like you're gonna you're, you're in so much danger. <laughs> and then there was oh uh, that just sort of brought to mind the weird ass '70s music at the beginning of the first episode of well, the binge. Well, actually, <laughs> it sounded like uh, I think Zeke called it like porn music. <laughs> well, it's called almost dessert. I know it's not talking about you know food, but it's like. Almost dessert. Sexy porn music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're just like, yeah, that's right. Mind you, pilot, that, pilot that ship slow. Nice push and slow. Push those buttons the way I like them. <laughs> yeah, push those buttons just the way I like them. But, uh, <laughs> but like, what, like what he was trying to do was he was trying to get the information from the captured uh, Zaku 2. Yeah. And was trying to use that to make combat data for Gundam, which ended up being completely useless. Yeah. I mean, points to him for trying. It's just he had no way of knowing that it was not going to work out. You know, uh, there, he was literally looking for any advantage he could get against uh, the guff. Or, yeah. Sorry, goof. Uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. We, we, <laughs> at one point in time, Makuve says, uh, says... He's like deploying... They've made more of the... Of the of the guff, and <laughs> he's like... And they, and they yeah. literally called it a guff troop and Jay and I both looked at each other and just went goof troop. <laughs> it was just we we had the exact same. Uh, it was it was partly because of the way the voice actor for Makuve pronounced it. You know, he pronounced it way more like goof rather than guff. Yeah, it's it's actually pronounced guff, but it's spelled G O U F. Yeah, and I'm just like just spell it G U F F. You know, at that point, don't overcomplicate. But but, but then yeah. but then they also brought up a another mobile suit. That we haven't seen yet. Right? Uh, a ground-based uh, a mobile suit that they called a Dom. Yeah. But the way that Haman's uh, voice actress pronounced it, it sounded like she said dongs. <laughs> so I'm just like, heavy dongs? <laughs> I heard Dom. Produce the army of dongs! We have a bunch of Vendizas coming out of the vehicles. <laughs> yeah, we're just like, they're fucked. <laughs> they got a bunch of Vin Diesel's coming in. Uh, now, do we want to discuss who all has died? So? Oh, and yes, we had our first major death 
uh, on the Federation side since the original captain of the White Base died. Yeah. Uh, with Ryu. He got injured during Rawl's attack on the White Base and was supposed to be spending the, spending the next episode in bed recuperating, but he kept getting himself out of bed and going and confronting Bright about the fact that you just... Amuro came back and you just came back and you just threw him in the brig. And after he you let him out to go do some fighting, you just throw him right back in the brig. You're not even trying to talk to him to explain your rationale for doing that. He's not going to learn anything no. if you do that. But he's a tiger and, 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 and accused Bright of being afraid of conf- of confronting Amuro over it. And then he drags himself down to go talk to Amuro to basically sort of explain, hey, you know, this is you know you still resent the fact that he's thrown you in here? And Amro's like, no, I kind of understand why he did it. <laughs> but, um, and then, because Haman's then attacking... She's she's taking, uh, basically, uh, Zeon's tanks, what they can do is when the bottom part is destroyed, the top part can lift off and act independently. And basically just act more like a plane. So she's taking... She, like a flying gun, basically. Yeah. So what she does is she takes hers and maneuvers it behind the Gundam and starts shooting at it at point blank range, destroys its shield, damages its jetpack, and um, Amuro can't do anything about it. And the uh, gun operators that are on white base they can't shoot it because of how close it is to the Gundam. And again, they don't, don't want to put Amuro at risk because then, it's the pilots again who are who are shooting it. Yeah, they they are loyal more to Amuro than to than to the white base. Keep in mind, he can't do anything. The gun can't do anything because he's got a big ship for TNT going towards white base to yeah. explode into it. Yeah, it's, that that tank is basically been turned into a fire ship and sent on a <clears throat> on a kamikaze course. <laughs> um, and uh, so yeah, he's trying to hold that back and. Uh, while all this is happening, you see one of the core fighters shows up and crashes into uh, the uh, uh, into Haman's into Haman's into Haman's ship, and Kamikaze just and just mutually assured destruction. Yeah, and destroys both of them. Uh, everybody in the white base essentially knows who it was that was in the uh, the core fighter. And Amuro doesn't know. He goes, destroys the um, the, uh, he, he the takes ship. he takes out the fire ship. Yeah, he takes out that sh- the the ship. Um, and uh, he was like, "Who was in that?" He said, "He's like, guys, who was in the core fighter?" And they're like, "It, it was it was Ryu." He goes, "No, Ryu's still in bed." Seriously, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> seriously, guys, who, who who was it? And then they were like, "No, seriously, it was Ryu." And. Everybody was devastated by yeah, it. Yeah, they they were all uh, basically outside looking at the wreckage of the core fighter and Haman's ship, and everybody's crying. Yeah, and it's showing everybody feels responsible for it. Well, because um, uh, who was it? It was Frabo and Sela and Sela had, had been trying to get him back to bed, and he's like, uh, "Go, go, uh, go, get Amuro out. Go get Amuro out. I'll take responsibility." Uh, Hayato for high yeah for high well not just for not just Hayato but also the because remember there was that other pilot yeah, yeah well because the way the gun tank functions is that it has a pilot and a gunner the gunner sits basically in the head while the pilot sits close to where the treads are at he goes and tells the pilot uh, swap you know, with me swap with me 
uh, I'll take the core boost. And he's like, aren't you injured? He's like, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, during war, you got to like make certain sacrifices, et cetera, et cetera. You got to improvise. You got to improvise. That's what it yeah. was. So he's like, okay. So he gets out, takes the core, uh, the, uh, the core fighter out. And, and Hayato lets him, lets him do it. Yeah. That's and, why he feels responsible. And so, um, and then, you know, next thing in the show, show, it shows him crashing. Well, it's all through, like, little itty-bitty flashbacks. Yeah, little flashbacks back and forth showing all this. And everybody is still feeling the effects, feeling the grief from it in the in the next episode. Uh, as Bright's, you know, with the exhaustion and everything. You know, he, he'd been relying on Ryu because Ryu has more military experience than, than Bright does. Yeah. Uh, was sort of relying on him to help keep the pilots in line. And Mirai was much in, much the same way. She's starting to. They're all starting to crack from just the strain of constant constant battle, losing a key member of their crew and, and a friend. And not only that, but the white base getting as damaged as it has had. Oh yeah. Like you have like it, it's like in the episode "Time Be Still," where you the Xeon soldiers put all the little bombs around mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Gundam. In this case, what they did was they put them all over. Uh, uh, white base, except for the radar. Yeah, they disabled the Minofsky particle generators. They disabled the electronic countermeasures, the ECM, which basically allows them to hide from the hide from radar uh, and other uh, electronic detection systems. And but it left the radar alone. And the reason for that became clear later in the episode is they're being driven essentially uh, by all these attacking Xeon forces from Makuve's base right into a trap because they've carefully done it in a way that the white base's radar picks up, picks up a direction where there's no attacks coming from. And so they move in that direction. Turns out there's a mega particle cannon hidden away and that blows a huge hole in the uh, left side uh, hangar. Yeah. And it uh, basically takes out one of the main engines yeah, a, and they have to basically touch down. Yeah, a it starts a huge fire inside one of the engines, and so they're like, you know, we need to we need to set down of and turn off the engine, otherwise it's going to explode. And they manage to get the pursuing forces to withdraw by just setting off a bunch of smoke bombs to make it look like they've been taken out of commission, which is let's face it, they kind of have, uh, but it. Buys them at least a little bit of a reprieve while the while the Xeon just draw back so they can come in again to to attack. But they're basically in a really really tough spot. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, things are easy for them. Then it hasn't been easy for them at all since no. they've gotten to Earth. It hasn't been easy for them since day one. Essentially, since that manual, they have been, they have been on the run. Literally since uh, Side 7 got destroyed. Uh, it wasn't really destroyed. It was, just, it was attacked, it was I attacked, should say. It was attacked, yeah. I should say. Uh, and, yeah, it's... I'm constantly like, where the hell are they going to go? How the hell are they going to get out of this one? And this is like they managed to keep holding on, but they, it's literally like just barely. It's like they fixed the, the damage from the last battle, and they get, they get damaged again. And now they're like, okay, we need to get a resupply. Uh, Lieutenant Matilda, please come help. It's essentially and what happens. that's apparently what's going to be in the next episode, which will start out the next binge as she comes in to 
try to assist one more time. Oh, one more time. Do you know something we don't know? No, I do. <laughs> well, literally, it was in the it was in it was in the title of the next episode of Matilda's something or other rescue. I think. Yeah, where she basically comes and helps them out again because General Revel he actually sees the value, or well, along with Matilda, but they both see the value of the white base and the crew because simply because of everything that they've gone through, plus the three mobile suits that they're carrying. Three prototype mobile suits getting more and more combat data with every engagement. Um, one's missing the core now. Yeah, because they're they're. I don't know. Well, the gun tank was damaged because of the treads being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty and much the destroyed. core fighter, which has the black box, is gone. Just well, kamikazed. Well, I mean, the thing about black part boxes. Of, part of part of it is well, I. Yes, okay, so they may be able to recover the black box from the wreckage, but is all the combat data still going to be intact? It should be. The black box, it'll be fine. That's true. But, yeah, that's just about everything, I guess. You forgot the most important bit. What? 1980 boobies are creepy (laughs) as hell. Oh, Zeke. I'm not the only one going, God, this guy creepy. We, we, well, everybody, I was just like, oh, yeah, when it came up, I was like, okay. Te- <laughs> technically, I think the first half of the series, uh, I, I want to say this was still in 79, because the series, when it finally ended, was in April of 1980, and it started in November of 79. So, yes. we'll just say late 70s. Yeah. Because here's, here's the part that creeps me out about this. Well, it, he, I should apl- apply some context here. He's The boobies in question are not from any sort of sex thing. No, it's just... Uh, who was it? It was, was it Frabo? No, was, oh, no, 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 no. The first time... The fear, the, all right. So the I'm, first no, time, I'm, t- I'm not talking about the him with Amaro coming to repair the, repair the, the, sink. the sink. I'm talking about the... That was that, that was a side shot. That was yeah, that, that was shot. just that was side boobs, which there was four barely counts. <laughs> boob when what's her name? Oh yeah, Frabo with the uh, the three with, with, war, the, with the, the orphans. Three orphans. Yep, and they're all taking a shower together, and uh, it's not it's it, not it's not exactly full frontal, but I mean, come on, you see full frontal in Dragon Ball. We 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 get yeah, t- but we get breasts. You do yeah. get full breasts. But here's the thing that creeps me out of this, and this is what I'm gonna say. The whole entire time they call these kids, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's why it's so freaking creepy. You can't keep going kids, 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 and then boot, and then you go back to kids. No, especially Japan. When, especially I when, love when, Japan. Especially, no. when that, especially when that one boy starts rubbing the little girl's chest. Well, oh, well, okay, wash hold, oh, no, hold on a second. <laughs> no, 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 no. I gotta, I gotta, t- I gotta tell you this. The original line that was said, and I had, and this is on my because I have. Alright, so I have the original Toonami cuts of okay. Gundam. The line that he originally said was, Hey, how come Frau's chest looks different than yours? That's the reason why she looks down, looks up at Frau, and, and then starts, starts crying. crying. <laughs> <laughs> she got the boobs. She got the, she got the A-cup angst it's, going. It, it, it's, <laughs> a, it's essentially like Goku in Dragon Ball where he sees Bulma bathing. He goes... Bulma, why do girls have butts on their chest? <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, this is Kid Goku. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Okay, if we're going to go there. We should just talk about, you know, where, where's your balls at? Because he pats down the front of her, where she's sleeping, remember? 
Oh yeah, I it's been a while since I've watched Dragon Ball, but that was one, like one of the minor moments that stuck with me. But that that's funny. This is just creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Am I the only one that thinks that? You're not. Okay. You're not. Well, Usually I'm fine with going boobies. Huzzah! This is boobies. Oh, wow. In front of little kids. I think that's what made it creepy. The fact, I think Noah Beck is, is they keep calling them kids. Like, even the general is going, these are kids fighting a battle. These are because kids. They're, because they're teenagers. That, that's that's the I'm not talking about those kids. I'm talking about... No, I'm talking the about boobs with the little, little kids. Yes, okay, it is still creepy because teenagers. And shouldn't be a thing. <laughs> I love you, Japan, but no! Oh, you gotta love Japan censorship. Oh, Japan. Japan. You can show everything from the top up, but nothing from the waist down. Uh, or if you do have to show it from the waist down, you gotta pixelate it. And even then, some of them just put, like, a little strip of pixelation. Because there you go, that counts for censorship. There's one thing I've always wondered, completely off key. I wonder if someone who got really bored with a pixelated picture and tried to make it, like, a puzzle. <laughs> Where they got rid of every single pixel. And they you know, they mind know, mind know, that, you know that there is some lonely, acne-ridden neckbeard in some in the, his parents' basement somewhere who has done exactly that. As we all try to and then brain. and then gets pissed because him reassembling all the pixels didn't give him didn't give him the money shot he was looking for. Nope. Why are we talking about this <laughs> But anyways <laughs> anyway um, that I think about wraps it up for uh, this episode of the Pinchcast. Oh, I did ask the I did ask you this earlier, and I'm going to ask both of you this. I know you kind of cut yourself off during when you were answering it. Mm. Do you miss Char yet? Mm. No, uh, that's right. It came up while we were watching while in mid binge, and we were like, let's keep it for this. I do kind of miss Char because he's a fascinating, uh, especially with some of the revelations about uh, about Sela coming out. Yeah. I do want to see more of what what his scheme is, you know, what else he he has planned because it's very clear he's got a long-term goal. Like do you, do you like the fact that he kind of like like they kind of took the character and stepped him to the side mm-hmm. so we can get these other ones because we I have do, Kuba, because we have Cassilia, we have uh, Ramaral, we have Ramaral's wife and you don't see you, you're not gonna see them for maybe like another like couple more episodes, but uh, they're gonna bring in this one team called the Black Tri Stars. Okay, and so the yeah, ones... it's just Shar was sort of dominating so much of the of the first part of the series, uh, and yeah, having him having him reassigned basically pulled back from the front lines because well, you let Garma die. Oh, uh, you're gonna you you might get a good chuckle over what he. I was reassigned too because yeah. you do see him pop up later. I don't doubt. Th- I don't doubt that. But yeah, I do want to see Sh- find out what Shar is up to because he's up to something. You know that he's up to something even when he's been reassigned to Antarctica or wherever the fuck he's <laughs> been put. Um, no. You and Zeke, yeah, you said you don't miss. You I don't mean, miss Shar. Shar is an interesting character. Don't get me wrong, but for some reason, I always draw more to the bad guy who's not bad. You get drawn more to an to an antagonist than a villain. Yeah, because I mean, like, really, the moments that like Shaw, yeah, Wall shine more. In my opinion, Wall shine more than Shaw has because of that code that he has. Shaw will shoot you in the back and not kale. He's because he's a, he's a practical. Yeah. Well, it, well, I mean, if like 
The, the only reason he wouldn't shoot you in the back is because he has some other plan for you. Mm-hmm. Like, Your pawn is like meant to be Like Garma. He could have killed Garma at plenty of other... Opportunities. Plenty of, oppor- plenty of other opportunities, but he waited until the right moment when it wouldn't blow back on him too much. It still did because, it, well, his he had been assigned to protect uh, Garma, and by Garma dying, he sort of failed. So they're like, you know, get get to the back. <laughs> Go, you're benched. Get out of here. Well, remember when he was sitting <clears throat> at that uh, bar and he was watching Gar- uh, yeah. Garin's speech? And watching was, the watching watching the speech. And uh, Garin is just like, you know, why would something like this happen to our? Because he was a spoiled brat. <laughs> yeah, and Char just goes because he was a spoiled brat. And then, uh, and you don't really see the character, but apparently one of uh, I think it was uh, one of Cassilia's uh, royal guards meets up with him. Yeah, th- I don't think they did show show who he met with very clearly. You just, you see just like, saw it was somebody, and yeah. it was clearly a significant meeting of some sort. Because uh, Cassilia, uh, not to go too spoiler-ridden, but she knows who Char is. Yeah. Um, I do... I feel like that was mentioned at some point... In one of the earlier episodes, but I may be just misremembering something. Probably. But regardless, uh, I'd say of the six episodes that we saw in this binge, my favorite was probably the hand-to-hand combat episode where Rawl... Because you don't really see that all that often. Right. The, you know, the commando attack on the, uh, on the white base and them infiltrating and trying to disable it, take it over, etc. Because, you know, it's again, Rawl sort of showing that he is, you know... Not just a an ace pilot, but a pretty good soldier in his own right. So. Teacher to the end. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that stuck with me with that one is the fact that he said, keep your eyes on me. Like, he wants them to see how a soldier's life will end. That was kind of cool. Where, where he popped the grenade, jumped out, and then the Gundam tried to catch him. He, but Amuro didn't know that he popped the grenade. No, but he actually told them to watch him. Because he wanted to see what they wanted to see what the soldier's life ends. The soldier's life ends in death. Mm-hmm. Because he recognized this is a this is a ship full of children, essentially, you know, teenagers and people who aren't very experienced. Well, rem- in this sort remember of thing. the Zeon soldier who tried to put one of the bombs on the uh, the bridge? Oh yeah, and the and then the little orphan girl is like yelling at him. He's like, "Get away from the window!" He's like, "Okay, kid, get away from." And then Mirai goes on over and grabs her. He's like, get that kid away from here. It's like they're they are the enemy, but they are not they are not all evil. Um I have to say my favorite episode was the one where uh, uh Wama was fighting the Gundam and they both had the cockpit. Oh yeah. <laughs> and they both yeah, and he, they see, he, they he see each other. badass is when he grabs the melting metal moves it aside so he can continue his fight and says, you only won because of the Gundam. Not because of your own skills. And that was another teaching moment. Like I said, he's always teaching. But he is, he is basically uh, the first good rival that uh, Amuro has faced. Yeah, Shar was a, was a, is a, a rival in a, in a sense, but Shar isn't looking to teach. He's just looking to kill. <laughs> Um, so I kind of got to like... Sure, Ramoral was trying to essentially kill <clears throat> Amuro, but was also taking the opportunity when he realized I've been beaten 
I'm going to just impart a little bit of knowledge because I want well, to fight well, you again. Well, plus he, well, uh, plus what, before he died, he was also badly wounded too mm. because, well, for, I mean, yeah, he was shot because he was distracted by, uh, uh, shit, I'm just brain farts. By Sailor, thank you. By Sailor, and they're, while they were conversing, that's when he got shot and wounded. He goes into that one room, closes Talking the door. Talking is not a free action. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, he goes he goes to the, gets the he goes, gets the reference he won that one he goes into the room into the one room and while he's in there the Gundam takes the uh, the javelin the beam javelin and puts it through the wall and knocks him back and injures him even more and uh, he's like ah oh, the Gundam's always always in my way and so that's when he walks on over to the hole. And when Bright and everybody comes out, or comes into the room, and he, that's when he pops the grenade and basically says, I want you to see how a soldier's life ends. Mm. And that's when he drops down and... I think my second favorite episode, though, would be the one where he... Yeah, that same episode where that happens, but it's partly because of the scene in the, in the uh, restaurant. God, that's just, that's, 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 don't look at them, don't look at them, don't, don't make eye contact, don't make don't eye contact. contact. <laughs> uh, if she would have left him alone, but because he kept on, like, looking over... Well, again, this is because... Woman. Remember what he... <laughs> Just like how, his, how he reacts to Matilda. Yeah. Remember what he... Remember what... Well, how, I can't pronounce his name. Wamaraw. Well, yeah, you, with your... With your Isn't he a, a bit young... He she he actually said the thing that, is that, the thing is that, he a bit like, young for you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't go. I don't go. I don't know. action. She's a cougar, maybe. Well, I mean, well, the thing is that you don't really know how old she is. Like you can tell mm. that Ramba is probably fifty ish, late forties, early fifties, late forties, early fifties. Like he's still he's a career soldier. Yeah, uh, and you can tell that he's you know physically strong. Uh, you can't really tell with with her how old she is, but I want to say thirties. Yeah, I'd say mid to late thirties, not uh, like too young, because then it gets creepy. Um, even even at at those ages, but you, it's but you can creepy. Tell, but you can tell that she's mature in yes. mind. Yes, uh, because you know all of the interactions between them basically showed that. Yeah, um, but like I said, I, I I'm wondering if it's just because of the fact that Amro. It may have not been because of her. It may have just been because of the fact that a bunch of Xeon soldiers just walked into the bar that he was sitting in. And, and he just, did not move at all. No. Well, again, remember the last time he was in a civilian area and encountered a bunch of Xeon soldiers. But they don't know that. That might be another reason why, because she thought this man <clears throat> did not run away, did not flinch with a bunch of Xeon soldiers walking in. Maybe. But, but like I said, he did learn from his previous encounter. wasn't wearing his wasn't wearing a uniform. Well, plus he plus in his mind he was done. Yeah, but at the same time, you know. Um, but yeah, he still had a gun. 
I mean, you you got to protect yourself. This I mean, remember when he hurt, you're in a war zone for crying out loud. Remember, remember when he heard Frabo coming and he didn't know that it was Frau and he like takes the gun, points it at the door that's or the hole in the wall that's near him, and he slumps down and he's pointing up the entire time. And she sees his little mini campsite that's inside, mm. walks inside. That was from the previous episode, but yes, good. Uh, walks inside. And then here's the gun cock, and that's when she turns and looks at him and is shocked to see him pointing a gun at her. Because, well, again, he didn't know... He just heard coming. somebody approaching. Yeah. I would be more shocked on the fact that the giant spaceship of a mech suit thing did not see the white Gundam that was half-covered. Well, it was at night, too. It's a white Gundam. At night, and it's covered. Mm, most partly, but then again, it seemed like that they were just taking that... Uh, the. What was it called? The ad, ad the ad zone. The it's, ad zone. It's, 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 the new, the new like. Uh, it's a mobile armor. Mobile armor. It looked like they were just taking on a shakedown flight. They weren't seriously out on a scouting mission. Probably. Because <clears throat> uh, I was, I was, re- uh, I was reading up that uh, they only technically made three of those. One of them was in the Dreamcast mobile suit Gundam game, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, which takes place entirely in Australia, by the way. Um, Boy. Is there anything left of Australia by the time that fight is done there? Mind you, there's not a whole lot in the middle of, Austra- of Australia. It's mostly all on the coast. Bad um, thing I think that's we didn't start the file. What do you mean? That things are coming in and start the file. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, you, you, you... Too you, soon, man. Too soon. Sorry! <laughs> you do... God damn it. You, you just... Like, it, took it, it, took just it took me a second. It took me a second, I mean, we kind of forgot in February. There's been so much that happened this year. First the... First the bottom, so, then the bee. And we're not even halfway through yet. We'll be halfway through at the end of the month. But, um... Yeah, by the time this goes up, we'll be closer to the... We'll be closer to the halfway point of the year. Yeah, but, uh, you do see the damage done to Australia in, uh, Stardust Memory. Okay. Um, so you do get to see that. Can't wait for this mid-season break of, uh, 2020. <laughs> Please, give us a mid-season break. Well, mid-season break, we gotta go repair the Gundam so we get some, good, some fighting chance, at least. Japan, oh, make the Gundam away! Oh, wait, uh, what'd you think of the scene where uh, he's fighting in the Gundam and he's fighting another guff? And um, as he's about to stab it with the beam saber, the beam saber runs out of energy. <laughs> yeah, that's right, he runs out of energy. energy. Just thunk. <laughs> puts a dent in it. He puts a dent in it and it freaks the pot out, so he's like, you know what, screw it. Grabs the gun <laughs> and starts to rip it in half. And meanwhile, the pilot climbs out. Scrambles suit. down it and then just runs. <laughs> and uh, Amuro just takes, or the Gundam just takes the guff and throws it. Yeah, it's it was a. There were a lot of those little moments of humor to sort of break break up the horrors of war, but. Um, I, I, I because you were bringing up uh, soldiers and uh, them fighting children and everything, like the Zeons when they start seeing who they're actually fighting and what's actually on board white base like the one guy who was like hey get that kid out of here i gotta fast forward a little bit to victory gunham real quick okay. uh there's a scene in one of the episodes where um mind you at this point zeon is gone there the, okay. the principality is long gone the earth federation is still there but uh, other problems have there, yeah but anyway, anyway um so much like on the white base <laughs> the league military is uh which is the 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 main 
uh, force fighting against like the main enemy in Victory okay. Gundam. Uh, it's mostly made of, you know, there are kids in it. Like especially again, like what I had said about the the Gundam pilot Uso, who's 13 years old. He's fighting this one of like the uh, the ace pilots of the Zanska Empire, and when this enemy pilot sees who he's fighting, he cannot live with himself to fight kids. Mm. So he opts to kill himself. Because, for one thing, the Zanskar doesn't really tolerate uh, deserters very well. Like, they punish people. Like, I'm not going to lie, they bring the guillotine back. Mm. And, you know, public executions and everything. Yeah. So anyways, so he kills himself. Because he's like, I cannot, <clears throat> you know, I can't fight kids. Right. And I can't go back. Disgrace. It's like, I can't continue fighting, but they but they won't let me not fight. So, 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 no matter, so, so no matter what, I'm dead, so he kills himself. Whereas in this one, it's Zeon is a little bit more tolerable yeah. in terms of certain things. Like I, I, I'm fairly certain they'll be like, oh shit, we didn't know there were kids on board. Yeah. Yeah, so... But I think that about wraps it up for this this edition of the Benchcast. We had some good discussion here. I Duke do, has something to say. I, I do want to know one thing. How many people are that loyal to Shaw? Because you had 13 people on that last mission in order to, to sacrifice themselves for revenge for their captain. For Raw. Yeah. Yeah. How many people are that loyal to Shaw? Uh, do you remember the... Uh, uh, the captain of the one ship that Char was on at the beginning, mm-hmm. right? That's one of them. And yeah, you do see him pop up later on. You do see loyalists to Char. Uh, in Rawls' case, again, it uh, comes down to father to his men. He, lo- he, he, he looks after them. He's constantly looking for ways to make their make their lives a little bit easier, yeah. a little bit better. You want to know another good example? He looks after their well-being. You want to know another good example of that? Chernobyl. The miners. That's true. The the in the HBO uh, Chernobyl, the the main miner, as soon as he f- figures out what you know, hears what they want him to do, he's like, "I'm going to get started right away. I don't want my men here a second longer than they have to be." So yeah, that's another good example of mm-hmm. a leader looking out for his people. And, and going back to to Chernobyl in a way, uh, or at least sort of showing respect to the respect to the men. After they were done clearing the roof, that one general shook the hands of every single. I remember worker, that scene. Even and though it's like these guys have just been contaminated with God knows how much radiation. <laughs> especially the one that ripped his boot. Well, that wasn't that guy wasn't part of that wasn't part of that squad, but uh, <laughs> that guy was in that just that one scene, and it's just sort of like after yeah his boot got ripped open, you just hear that one colonel just go, "Comrade soldier." You're done. <laughs> Just sort of like, that's it. Bye. <laughs> Later. But yeah, uh, to be continued. Yes, to be continued. Uh, so we are halfway through uh, Mobile Suit Gundam now. Uh, so we've got probably four more binges uh, to go. Well, yeah. Because well, like, two two more discs. You know. Yeah. But uh, like I said, I need to, I need to look at twenty one uh, episodes. Twenty one more episodes. I need to look at the uh, the the uh, number of episodes. And figure out it's like five, 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 five. See if well, I mean, if it was forty-two episodes, we did five, 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 six. Yeah. So we'll probably do that again. Probably. Because we literally looked at the first disc and was like there were ten, ten episodes on it. 
So we did. But at any rate, that's for us to discuss. Uh, so for Zeke and Chris, I'm Jay, and we'll see you next time.